This is God's Word. When foreigners reside among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigners residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do not use dishonest standards when measuring length, weight, or quantity. Use honest scales and honest weights, an honest ephah and an honest hymn. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Keep all my decrees and all my laws and follow them. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me as we begin? God of great mercy, as we come into this place from all kinds of different um, spiritual journeys, um, the truth is we might be here with wounds that we're processing. We might be here with um, new events in our life that are disturbing or that really challenge our faith or our belief that you are good. We might come with um, actually a very different experience. We might come with answered prayers and a, for the first time a sense that you you can be so real in our journey. You met us in, in a low point where it was so dark. And then we see now that you were planning on bringing your light. And others of us, maybe we felt excited about you at one time and we wonder... Was I fooling myself? Was I tricking myself? Was I just drumming up emotion for you? Because it's not like that anymore. We were giving you one last chance. And from all these different places, the truth is, as we sit here, there's a universal similarity that none of us wants the rest of us to know how big our mess is, the mess of our heart, the mess of our lives more of a mess than we care to admit to anyone. And, and then we hear from your story over and over again, if we'll listen, we hear that you've met us in our mess, that you draw towards broken lives and you bring your grace. Wonderful, joyful, undeserved, surprising love, grace, mercy that can hit us like a ton of bricks and set us on with a new kind of joy that we didn't know possible. Will you do that this morning through your word? Will you come to us and meet us in this place so that we walk away with a little bit more of that joy from wherever we find ourselves? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jen Lee is a, is a creative storytelling person. I heard a story she was telling about how she... Um, how she grew up with two religions. She grew up with uh, going to church, you know, the religion of Jesus, and telling people to go to church. And she also grew up with the religion of Mary Kay Cosmetics. So she tells this story, and, um, and she ends up finding herself in a bit of a crisis on both fronts, in terms of both belief systems. Um, and she finds that she is like this... Um, insincere saleswoman for both religions that she's grabbed hold of with all of her life. So she, she gets into these situations she's describing 
um, how for Mary Kay Cosmetics, they train you to, one of the ways to get new people is to, to walk around in a public place. So she'd find herself spending three hours in Target pushing a cart around, looking for a, the next victim to happen to run into and begin to strike up a conversation that ends in, you know, trying some Mary Kay Cosmetics samples. And she would find herself standing in an aisle eventual, eventually as she's having this crisis, standing in the aisle of a store, looking at someone, saying hi, saying her name, and then suddenly hitting this moment wondering, I'm not really sure. Do they need Jesus or do they need Mary Kay Cosmetics? And kind of having to decide which, which way to go with the conversation. <laughs> and so then she eventually finds herself. Um, it all kind of starts to break down. She's sitting in a Mary Kay Cosmetics training meeting and, and she's thinking, like, are we really, um, are we, are we, I think the phrase is, are we really transforming lives? That's the, something of the, the logo or the motto for them. Are we really transforming lives? And she's thinking about this and then the, the person leading the session hands around a new sample of the latest lipstick. <laughs> and she kind of says, no, I don't think this is safe. I don't think this is really transforming lives. And then she's literally, she says the same week she's over at this like leadership meeting for her church, and she's having the same exact kind of thought. Are we really saving souls with what's happening in this meeting that's sounding a whole lot more like a marketing kind of how to do the next ad campaign kind of meeting? And just as she's thinking that, she hears the, the leader saying, the pastor saying, now, our new mission statement has to have five points, one for each digit on the hand, <laughs> one for each finger, and then going on to say, and each of those points has to start with the same letter. And she kind of just has this moment of going, no, I don't know that we're saving souls with this right now. I just thought that was great. I don't know. You guys aren't laughing. I thought I thought it was, it was a great introduction to the message today about what is our mission and who are we and so we're having our fourth birthday party today, and, you know, what is the mission of this church? Uh, we do have a mission statement. It has four parts. They don't rhyme or have alliteration or have the same letter at the front. And so, consequently, for me up here, I've, I've had to really kind of try to make sure I get them right and memorize them because they're not necessarily going to just come right off inviting people, new friend, inviting new friends to encounter God. We'll talk about that next week. And then the following week, um, to connect with others. And then we'll close off the series on October 2 with serving. Um, serving the needs of the city. Um, so that's our mission. And I think when we first got going, and you see some of the pictures in the, um, in the photo album in the back. When we first got going, we had a sense, the, the few of us that were at some of those meetings, we had a sense that there had to be a community. If there was to be a church in this place, it had to have a, a, a real connection in, in, with the people who are spiritually open but not currently sitting in, in church. You know, not the people who, you know, they just every bone in their body has them wanting to go to a church, but maybe just right now there's just some little barrier getting in the way like better music or you know cl- live you know closer to where i live or people more my age or a really hip pastor with tattoos um i resisted the tattoos by the way to be a hip pastor but um but i thought about it so i'm i'm human okay i thought about moved moved to midtown thought maybe i should get a tattoo to fit in okay but um so you know the the sense that that's not necessarily the person we were trying 
to reach. You know, if we just did one little thing better, maybe you'll, you'll come to ours. Um, or maybe you'll switch that other place you go every Sunday and come here. It was more like, you know, there's a whole lot of people we found who are willing to have these conversations about God, about faith, about spirituality, who have read a lot about all kinds of different religions and are seeking something. And, and are we just going to, are we going to have a place that doesn't just throw about ten things at them when they walk in the door that have them just running for the hills? Is there, is there a bit of a welcome and a hospitality to, to those kind of people? In a sense, it's like learning a language. Um, imagine that you're inviting a bunch of your friends over for a movie night, and you're going to show this foreign film, but you say, don't worry, we, it has subtitles. And everybody comes over, and then it, like, you, you know, the, this gets real complicated. Maybe you can relate, but, like, the wrong kind of language comes up for the subtitles. And, you know, it's in French or whatever, and, and you know, the movie's in Spanish, the subtitle's in French, and, well, what you would do is you would hit the pause button, right, and, like, figure it out and restart it with the right language, and actually that's a little bit like what happened at City Life Church, because we were having some of these meetings, and it, we kind of were looked at each other after a few months saying, I don't know if anybody will ever invite their friends to this, and we sort of hit the pause button, humbly, it wasn't easy, and said, maybe we need to start to figure this out. Maybe we need to start listening to people. Maybe we need to start, you know, so we did all this other stuff. And eventually kind of restarted. And um, I'm a little bit comforted because there's been whole periods of the church. So if you say that's our little period of not being very inviting, I feel like we got better. I hope you think so too. Um, I'm encouraged that there's whole periods of the church history, centuries, where the church totally lost its sense of welcome and hospitality and what it means to welcome the other. Um, it started out pretty good in the first few centuries of the church. You'll notice in the worship guide there's a quote from Christine Pohl who writes this fascinating book about making room, recovering uh, excuse me, hospitality as a Christian tradition. So she gets back to the early centuries, the patristic period, and she says, for Chrysostom... Lactantius, you know those guys, you talk about them every day. For, for Christostom and Lactantius and Jerome and other leaders of the ancient church, hospitality was a significant context for transcending status barriers and for working through issues of respect and recognition. The Christian hospitality was to be remedial, counteracting the social stratification of the larger society by providing a modest and equal welcome to everyone high social status was not to be honored with special recognition by Christians. In fact, to entertain persons who had few needs was really not hospitality at all. So that's kind of, you know, the, the amazing full-orbed view of Christian welcome and how sort of uh, the gospel, as we talk about it, how it, it, it can bring that about. But throughout history, it hasn't always happened. Like, there were just hundreds of years, she describes this. She says, in the late Middle Ages, among the great ecclesiastical and lay households, um, so, you know, the priests and the people who went to the church, hospitality was explicitly and intentionally connected to power, influence, and grand displays of wealth and status. And then she moves over into England. She says, in the early 15th century, England, households of bishops as well as those of lay aristocrats were concerned with displays of power often evidenced through the size and the magnificence of their entertainment. Such hospitality involved an elaborate deference to rank and power. Whole huge periods of the Christian church where 
kind of idea of welcoming, of thinking about, kind of making space for the other just got lost. <laughs> um, and, and you, you know, you kind of understand that because you can feel that urge to go inward and to be with sameness, and that actually ends up kind of dividing. Um, and so I think that's the reason why, as you look at the Bible, you don't just see it like once or in one part of the Bible and not in the other. You see throughout Scripture, Old, New Testament, you know, the prophets, Jesus, the epistles, you see it everywhere. The emphasis on this kind of welcome, this kind of breaking through the barrier, looking to the other, how important it is. Um, our text today, Leviticus 19, but you also have um, like Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, saying to this, the early Christian church, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. So you get the sense that it's possible to forget. It's possible to kind of lose track of this whole issue. Offer hospitality, says First Peter 4, verse 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Um, you know, even the idea of the sincerity of it and the reasons behind it. And... If you look a little more closely at our text for today, Leviticus chapter 19, you see something very interesting about this passage. In fact, it introduces really just two quick points to this message. Identify yourself with the other, point one. And number two, know the true welcomer. So, so let's look at how we learn from Scripture to identify yourself with the other and to know the true welcomer. In Leviticus 19, verse 33, it goes like this. When foreigners reside among you in your land... Do not mistreat them. How do you treat them? A foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Identify yourself with the other. I had a great example of this week, uh, of this, this week where I was meeting with someone who's actually asking me about starting a church and how that goes and, and how to do it. And he was describing some of his own story. And he said he was working at a church where the welcome was so absent for his family. He has kids and a wife. And his, the welcome was just so not there that his kids were begging him. His children were begging him to, can we stop going to this church? And he works, you know, he works at this church. Just a picture. And, and what was coming out of that, I don't mean to like kind of have a wah, wah, wah story. Like kind of a, but I mean, what was coming out of that was him kind of saying, you know, we were the other. We were the outsider. And we kind of see how that feels. And it was this thing where he was digging deep into that and saying, yeah, that's going to that's gonna affect how I maybe start a church someday. And what, you know, so he was... He was finding some deep meaning, just looking at how have I been the other? What is it like to be in that place? I mean, dig deep. What is it like to be in a context where you're the other and you're dependent? You can't do it yourself. Somebody else has all the power, all the access to that space that they can welcome you into. What does that feel like? It's so vulnerable. You don't know if you're going to be accepted. It's, it sort of feels maybe unsafe or you feel very unsure. And um, that, in fact, is the place. If you can think about that, if you can dig deep about yourself on that, if you can relate to the other, then you can begin, begin to be close to that, that catalytic, deeply meaningful experience that you can have with God. So we move to... 
point two, which is know the true welcomer. Know the true welcomer. See, because this is one of the other key passages in the New Testament that I think really nails it. Romans chapter 15, verse 7 says, um, I'll read it in the English Standard Version. It's a little different than the one we have here. because it, I like it better because it says, Therefore, welcome one another. Welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you. So there's this sense, really, if you dig deep, and you know that vulnerability, and you know that really, in all of us, a deep undercurrent that is crying out for a deeper welcome than anyone in this world can give you. The whole Christian faith pushes you towards seeing this point, that you have experienced the one satisfying factor, if you know the God of the Bible, you can experience the deep welcome that satisfies your soul, that settles all that anxiety and that uncertainty and that, ah, you have the great welcomer who's reached out through Christ to welcome you. There's something transformative about that. I was, um, on, our, on our summer vacation, we went, um, it's a tradition, we went to a cottage with my wife's family and we, you know, we just pick a place that's different every year. And so we end up in these places in this new place that someone rents out and, and we go there for a week and we live there and it's usually by a lake. So we go to this place in the middle of kind of nowhere Michigan by a really cool lake and we're in this cottage and on day one, uh, Mr. Baxter, 70-year-old guy in a golf cart comes driving up <laughs> to our little house and we're just kind of like, who is this guy? So he's a neighbor that lives two doors down and within the first like 24 hours, He's already invited us out onto his pontoon boat to like circle the lake and give us his history lesson on the lake and all the politics of what's going on and, and what's the history of it and all this kind of cool stuff and do the kids want to drive the pontoon boat and all this stuff. It was amazing. We're sitting there smiling, all of us, the whole ride. He invited all like, I think, how many were the 12 of us on this pontoon boat and we're all just like grinning ear to ear the whole time because how unexpected. We paid for that cottage, right? Did you understand, Mr. Baxter? We've not... I don't think we included a fee for the neighbor to come by and like spend all this time letting us on his boat and showing us around. And eventually, then the next day, he's offering, hey, if you guys want, any of you know how to drive a boat, I'll, I'll let you take it out. Take it for a spin if you want while you're here. And then he's, the next day, he's drawing a map of how to get to such and such place that would be really cool to go to. And here's where you stop if you want to get some really good fish. And you know, here, you know, here's another restaurant you should go to. Here's a good place for the kids. And he's just coming over. There's not a lot of anxiety behind it. It's like, it's, like he, it's like totally normal, matter of fact for him. Just stopping by to tell us something else cool that we could do or that we could borrow. And, you know, I was in vacation, reflective mode. You know, what is life? What is the meaning of life? I finally have space to think about these kinds of things, you know, get away from the busyness. And, and I, I honestly, I started thinking, I want, you know, here's this retired 70-year-old guy. That's what I want to be. I, you know, I, I literally, I was starting to, you know, voice note to self, <laughs> uh, journal entry, you know, 567, um, become like Mr. Baxter. I mean, it really was, it was like, yeah, I think that's the good life, right? Like, unexpected, giving, just kind of this laid back, I'm going to ride my boat, I'm going to do this, you know? And seeing the joy and the surprise of that kind of, just opening up. He had all these things and all this space and all this knowledge that he had full control over opening up to us. And he did. With, it seemed like joy in his eyes to do so. Welcome one another then as Christ has welcomed you. Eventually what this drives you towards is Jesus. Because um, 
if you look at scripture and read some of these stories from almost 2,000 years ago, you see Jesus having this effect on people, the same effect, where he says, hey, come follow me, and they like drop their stuff and just go. And it's like there was something else going on. There was something Mr. Baxter-ish about what Jesus was doing when he, when he met this Samaritan woman at the well and she went and told the whole town about it. And when he, he called up to Zacchaeus in the tree who was kind of maybe an intellectual seeker looking, who is this Jesus guy? And Jesus did sort of reverse hospitality and invited himself over to his house um, and said, I'm coming to your house today, you know. But it worked. I mean, Zacchaeus was like, come on over and I'm going to start giving my money away instead of being a cheat, you know. And it was just like, what happened? And you encounter, this is, this is Jesus. This is a common experience when you come to Jesus just open to, to saying, who is this guy? What was his point? And maybe you're saying right now, well, thanks, but that was 2,000 years ago, right? Like, I can't climb a tree and see the guy today. But, you know, the truth is, if you start to look at Jesus, you start to read these pages, that's what Christians have noticed all along, is that they, all, all of his life drove not just towards the one, you know, here, see how many people I can have a welcoming experience with and then move on with my life. But then there was his death and his resurrection at the end. And the gospel stories drive to tell us that his whole life was leading towards these events. And they weren't just a one-on-one, I'm coming over to your house for dinner. They were like a cosmic statement to the world of God saying, okay, I see your deep undercurrent of your need for welcome. And my son is me coming to you and the cross, the death on the cross and the resurrection embody something that Jesus' whole life was driving towards to make this gigantic point to us to say, you're now welcome. Everyone. You can, you actually, so Christians believe this crazy thing that you didn't have to be there 2,000 years ago. You can pray to God today. You can read about Jesus and look to God and say, help me understand who this Jesus is and how... I'm supposed to meet you through Jesus somehow. And as you do that, in the midst of community usually, and there's all kinds of ways it happens, everybody's journey is different, but you can begin to experience the deep, settling welcome of God, the hospitality of your Maker who welcomes you back home. And so that's kind of what we're trying to reflect at City Life Church, believe it or not. If you get back to this, our story, this four-year-old church, um, I like the definition that Christina Pohl has, um, because I think it encapsulates a little bit what we're trying to do. What is, hosp- what is welcome? What is hospitality? Uh, Christina, Christine Pohl, again in this book, she says this, hospitality defined is basically offering someone a space into which they couldn't have access unless you invited them. That's really profound. And when you think about City Life Church, that goes for all kinds of things. And if you've experienced God in that way, it'll trickle out into all the others in your life. If you open your eyes, you'll see like 20 examples this week of how someone could have either opened space for you or how you could have opened space for them. I mean, it's just amazing once you open your eyes. Um, City Life Church, one of the ways we we realize we need to do this is to open open up space and give access to the unconvinced. Right, so this isn't just a gathering of the convinced, a gathering of the faithful, where we just are, are kind of like belief reinforcement. It's it's it has a different vibe. If you've been around a while, you know it has a little different vibe. It has that that sort of open door. It's not like this this um, cadence of certitude so much as it is deep beliefs that all are invited to encounter, and you're able to see people who sh- maybe stand up and tell stories of. Showcase a deep belief, but you can be in process with them. So that's City Life Church, and that's our welcome. 
And um, it's a place we hope that you feel like you can trust this context with your friends' journeys, with your journey. And um, But here's the thing, is that it's not, I don't take all this credit for it, because I think when we had our own ideas at the beginning, it, we had to reset anyway. It was God that kind of, he kind of brought some of this into play. And the truth is, I think this is going to be really hard to believe, but God doesn't need City Life Church to to have people encounter him. Is that, aren't you shocked? Just take a minute, take a deep breath. God, City Life Church is not required for God to, you know, to be encountered by people in their lives. And yet I hope that, you know, if there is a 20-year anniversary, that there will be story after story of people saying, you know, City Life was a place, was a venue for me, that when I was in this particular kind of a place, and I sensed that God was knocking a little bit, and I didn't know the sound of his voice, I didn't know who he was, I didn't know if he was going to shake a stick at me or what, but I was in this kind of a place, and City Life Church made space for me to be in that place so that I could eventually meet God. That's my hope. Will you pray with me? God, will you meet us in our lives? And will you help us where we cannot, we just cannot drum up enough energy to encounter you and to make ourselves close to you? So help us to see how close you have made yourself. Make City Life Church a hospitable place, but also help us experience your welcome, each and every one of us, in a way that we start to open up our lives to the other in every way we can. Help us with this because we can't do it on our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.